the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Buddy, the answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Some people are so poor, they only have money. Bob Marley. <laughs> He's one of my favorites, too. Uh, anyway, uh, look, if, if you want anything that you, you hear about on this show or would like to talk about your portfolio, go to WHK1420 and uh, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes, Smart Investor Show. It goes directly to my webpage, and you can get a whole bunch of stuff there. You know, uh, I, I have several people... Uh, uh, that now are looking at our credit access line. And I think it's, you know, look, you never need you, you know, you never need it right until you need it. And so what you want with the, the reason credit access line is so, you know, it's cheaper than margin. You don't have to sell your stocks, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it's, it's, it's a good way to borrow. Right. Um, you know, I've got one guy who's found the house that he wants to buy and he still has his house. So he's borrowed against this, his credit so that he can sell his house without feeling the pressure, which is really good. But there's, we have a handbook called the savvy investors credit workbook. And I highly recommend it. I also, um, you know, we have a wealth plan and last week I had a great scenario with one of my clients and he, you know, you know, the last couple of weeks have been tough. Okay. They've been tough. And, uh, you know, I had cash, but I, you never have enough cash. Okay. In a situation like we went through, um, and, and he, uh, he basically, uh, you know, he, he had change of, change of heart. Okay. So he put that in the thing. I called him right away. All right. And so it's interactive. So as soon as you, you know, you can play with it on the computer and do all these what ifs. Okay. So if, if you have a change of heart, you get frightened or, or you get a more aggressive. I mean, I got one guy who, who's bringing in a bunch of money next week because, he, he likes, he, you know, since he's been on board with me, he's been about three years, he hasn't had a real correction, okay? So just something to think about. We have our global best income ideas, our global outlook for the year, uh, which we've been pretty pretty good about, and our newsletter, which has, uh, uh, you know, talks about the due dates ready for the 2019 federal income tax return. And um, review your IRA estate planning. I think that's really important. And, and spring cleaning is a better way for your finances now look, uh, I have several clients who own businesses, and I, I talked about this this week. We got a new guide. It's a business owner's guide to transition planning, and it's got some information about selling your business. Believe me, if you go to private equity, you're getting ripped off. I think uh, because there's there's guys that can sell your business. Uh, you know, I've seen it. 
Okay, and in most cases, there's guys that can sell your business for more than you're getting from private equity. Uh, believe me, I've seen a couple guys sell their business to private equity, and private equity makes five, six times on that money. Okay, so this is a business owner's guide to transition planning, and if if you'd like it, like I said, uh, WHK fourteen twenty, etc., etc. You know, go. Local podcast down at Tim Hayes, uh, you go right to my webpage and just hit the contact me or email me. You know, the Federal Reserve this week retooled some capital rules for the largest banks. So the Dodd-Frank bill, I thought, made the banks utilities, basically. And, uh, you know, if you can't take any kind of risks, you know, banks don't take any risks anyway most of the time, okay? And what the Dodd-Frank bill was not allow them to take any risks. And... Yeah, they got into trouble uh, with the CDOs. Uh, they get into trouble every 20 years. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but it's part of the way we grow this country. And, and so the, bank, the, the Fed has lessened some of the rules. Uh, and it wasn't talked about, but it, it's a way of loosening credit. So not only did they knock 50 basis points off, you know, in this kind of emergency surprise rate cut of 50 basis points, uh, but they also loosened the rules a little bit. So, um, look... I want to read you a headline. 663,000 jobs lost in March. Total tops 5 million. That was from April 3rd of 2009 uh, and was on, on the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Okay, so look, we've had some bear markets in the, in the past. Now, some of the bear markets uh, occur right away. I mean, 1987 was a 33.5% bear market. It started in August. The Federal Reserve's raised interest rates a half a point three times, and boom, the place blew up. That was when Alan Greenspan came on board, by the way. And, uh, you know, it, that lasted till 12 4 of, of 87, and then we took off, okay? So there are structural bear markets, and there are bear markets. And look, you sh- look there's an emotional roller coaster that goes along here. And I think you're going to understand that, that, you know, the market doesn't go up all the time. Okay. Now, uh, people are, you know, kind of panicking. They're saying, uh, you know, is it the end of the world, whatever. And, you know, look, there's, there are times uh, that, you know, we have corrections. Now, look, I, I went back and listened to the tapes. Okay. Which you can, you can listen to the podcasts. If you go to WHK 1420, local podcasts, go to Tim Hayes. You can go back and listen. Three. Four weeks, I think, before the correction happened, I said, you got to start to be careful. Okay? You know, we talked about the bullish percent turning down. Remember, back in October, we talked about a melt-up. We had a 15% move in the, in the Dow Jones Industrials. That, folks, is a melt-up. All right? Now, I had to talk some people down from the ledge in the last two weeks. And, you know, it's hard. It's You don't like to see your money back off. Okay? It's not fun, all right? And I, believe me, you know, I'm last in, last out, okay? So if my clients don't get out, I don't get out. It's as simple as that. I feel their pain. And that's that's I've always done that. And, you know, and it's not some of my clients are out, not all of them. Some of them say no, okay? But let's say you got out altogether and you did it back in 2009. You know, you put 50 grand to work. All right. And and you put it all and you moved it to cash. It would well let's say you took a hundred grand, okay, and you and you did it back in nine 
you know, um, August of 2007, that hundred would have gone to $49,835 in a year. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Two years. However, if you would have gone to bonds, you would have made about 70, well, even with this big move in bonds here, you'd be about $74,000. If you moved to cash, it'd be about 51.7. And believe me, last, last two weeks, half a trillion dollars went into to the money markets. And $7 trillion has gone into bonds in the last you know, 10, 15 years, okay? Or 10 years, I should say. However, if you would have stayed in the market, that 100000 would have gone down to fifty and would now be worth $209,000. And I'm just talking about the S&P 500. I'm not talking about being with Marshfield, who has beat the S&P 500 by about three percentage points since then, per year, okay? Or, you know, we've been averaging a pretty good number ourselves. Uh, uh, so, look, I want you to think, okay? The, the press is really emphasizing the downside of the coronavirus and it could be a black swan event yes i agree okay however there's 122,000 people who have caught it uh there have been 3200 deaths there have been 48,687 people that are totally recovered nobody's talking about that so the question is how many of the rest will be full you know be will recover and, you know, the the press always makes it out worse than it is. Okay? So, hey, listen, I forgot. Well, it's a live show. So if you want to call in, you get a question. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. So, look, there's some systematic risks that were kind of exposed here. I th- You know, I think the uh, coronavirus could be kind of a black swan type scenario. Okay? Uh, but I think the risk conscious investors have been turning to gold and bonds bonds scare me a little bit here but um but there's there's 14.57 trillion now in in negative yielding debt that's how much money is poured into them uh so you're paying the government to hold on to your money that's what's happening in germany that's what's happening in italy that's what's happening in spain okay but the gold miners are healthy, you know, and we made a pretty good call on gold. And, and we talked about it last summer, not just recently. We talked about it last summer, not just recently, okay? And gold is now up about 30% since then. It's outperformed the market, and it continues to go higher. So, look, uh, the I think in the yield curve, despite the record low yields, the strategy book remains the same. I think there's more downside risk for yields than there is for upside. Uh, with that, you know, when when yields go down, it's it's not a positive thing for the economy. So we, you know, we have downgraded. That is, RBC has downgraded the 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 outlook for the U.S. economy because of uh, business investment has already been in recession for the past three quarters anyway, and this isn't helping. Okay. Now, with that, the Treasury yield, boy, at the open Friday, got the .66. I, I mean, that's a 10-year Treasury yield, .66, 66 basis points. The 30-year is at 1208. I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, folks, if you're going to refinance your loan on your house, 
Now's the time to do it. Trust me on that. Now's the time to refinance your loan. You know, take that as a financial plan. Uh, but the, you know, look, we were at 185 at the beginning of the year on the 10 year treasury. And I, I thought we'd, we'd break out to the upside. So what's happened in dynamic asset level investings that our friends from Dorsey Wright provide us with is that fixed income has now leaped over international equities. Uh, they, they get, they gathered about, uh, I don't know, 20 votes, uh, during this last week. And it was, I mean, if you weren't bonds, especially the hedge funds who do it with, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, leverage, you probably made a fortune. Okay. So asset allocation worked here. All right. And, you know, so, but I look at the overbought status in some of these and every bond ETF that I can, I, I have found with the exception of the high yield bonds are at least a hundred percent oversold, overbought. And most of them are in the 130 to 150% overbought. So, you know, the other thing I noticed, and I'm, I'm going to talk about this in more depth in the next segment, is that the relative strength on bonds has made a lower high. So the bonds have been, prices have been going up, but the relative strength's made a lower high. And that's something that's really kind of weird. But, uh, Look, everybody's asked me, you know, first of all, I, I had a couple calls this week. One said, Tim, you said to buy the market still down. I, I'm sorry, but the market was up for the week. It was. I mean, if you take a look at where it closed Friday and, and where it closed, uh, you know, the, the, last Friday and this Friday, you'll see that it was up for the week. So I am not talking about trading. I'm talking about, I talked about buying high quality stocks for your portfolio for the long run, okay? So the second thing was that I got a bunch of people who obviously were Bernie Sanders supporters saying I didn't know what I was talking about. Bernie Sanders was good for the economy. Well, I mean, I, I say it like it is, and, and I, look, I got nothing against Bernie. You know, I have nothing. You know, it, uh, it's a free country. You can think like you think he wants. But first of all, when he had some problems over the weekend, the market rallied. Number one. Number two, after Tuesday, Super Tuesday, when Biden took the lead, we rallied 1,100 points. Why do you think that was? Okay, so that, that was from Ed. And, and uh, Ed, you know, if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, good for you. But, if, you know, in my particular case, I just said, look, socialism, you got to understand the stock market is the, the, is the capitalist's hugest tool, biggest tool. Okay, so there you go. So what what do we do now? Um, well, the, the bullish percents at it was at twenty, I think, when I checked on it at ten thirty Friday, and I think uh, you know we the ten week is in bull confirm uh, bear confirmed status. It's it's at ten percent. Uh, the 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 high low index number of new highs versus new lows hit fourteen. I think it hit nine actually on Friday at ten thirty, and I look at the oversold status. And they're they're like two hundred and fifty, three hundred, twelve percent over oversold, okay, on every index, mid cap, small cap, you name it. All right, so I think there's a bounce coming. Now, is it over? I don't think it's over. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna bounce it hard, and then they're gonna bring it back one more time, just so we all can't sleep. But that's how you make money in the stock market, folks. You know, uh, I think Chris, uh, who uh, is, is one of Marshfield's principals, said. The best, you know, to outperform the market, 
You have to be as far from the maddening crowd as you can be. Warren Buffett was buying Delta Airlines last week. I mean, if they're, the transports just got killed. They're down, they're in a bear market. And here's the greatest investor of our time stepping up to the plate and buying Delta. Isn't that interesting? You know? So it's just something to think about. Um, anyway, uh, so the, the bullish percent, uh, look, I think we're, you, you know, we're, we're still in the column of O's, so we're still in the defensive thing. But, you know, somewhere if we turn here, we'll, we'll go back to the offense. And normally when you go below 30 on the, uh, uh, on the bullish percent, you rally up and then you come back and test. I think it's like 80% of the time. So just remember, we get below 30% approximately every three or four years. So don't, don't, I want you to think differently now. Okay. It's an opportunity. Sure, things are going to, you know, there's going to be some problems out there. There are always problems. Remember, in 1962, there were 19 nuclear warheads 90 miles from Miami Beach. That's a problem. All right, so this is a problem. So I think you just got to take along and look, what I said last week was to buy, but increase the quality of your portfolio. Increase the quality of your portfolio by the way some people give me a hard time about my call on the emerging markets they've held up better than this than our stock markets so <laughs> uh you know you gotta consider that too so they've they've held up better uh and you know look uh, uh, i'm glad to take your calls so you can call me at my office it's 888-223-7742 that's 888-223-7742 and let's have a discussion you want to have coffee we can call that number two Hey, we'll be right back. This is the Smart Investor Show. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, once again, if you you got a question, you can call in here at 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Um, somebody asked me about uh, some of the multi-factor ETFs and um, look, faster bake fa- factor based products have been gaining a decent amount of attention lately. And uh, uh, these asset gains have certainly been assisted by the secular tailwinds of some of the ETF products out there, as well as uh, a whole have been experiencing as an, an investment vehicle. I think, you know, you, you got to look at, uh, becoming the structure of choice for passive uh, factor implementation is what it comes down to. So that's what they're trying to achieve. Look, I, I think passive uh, is good for a lot of people. I, I think there's going to be times when it underperforms drastically. Um, you know, from 2000 to 2013, you know, you would have averaged the dividend yield on the S&P 500. You would have been flat as a pancake. Uh, I know of five good solid money managers that made money through the entire thing. All right. So uh, you got to be careful on that. Now, look, you know, I, I was talking to one of my clients Friday afternoon and, uh, you know, I, I had three charts that suggested an interim bottom. And then I had three charts that could discuss further downside. All right. So that's, that's how we kind of look at it right now. Oh, we got a call here. Here, Chris is on. Hi, Chris. 
Oh, hi. How are you? I'm okay. Hey, um, good. Hey, I was, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think it was the XLE, the Energy uh, ETF, and it's, you know, this thing's paying like eight and a half percent dividend now. I mean, is there? I'm not sure if these ETF. I haven't had these yet, so I'm not sure how they pay these things. Do they pay them quarterly or? Yeah. And is that is that a realistic? Is that realistic that they are actually paying eight and a half percent? Well, yeah, it, uh, you know, Exxon's paying a seven percent dividend, Chris, and you know the the right. prob the problem the the first of all, if you took all the oil stocks on the New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq, their market yeah. capitalization would be lower than Apple's. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. okay. So yet, yet they always say big big oil, big oil. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the the problem is there's a lot of people that are investing in these environmentally social and governance portfolios, the ESG portfolios. And the oil's a no-no, okay? So right. uh, the problem is there's a lot of oil. And, you know, by the way, I said that on this show in 2004. I, I touted that for three years. I, I talked about too much oil. And what's the problem is now is that a lot of guys are having problems with their debt. Now, I don't think Exxon is. I don't think Chevron is, but... Uh, you know, a lot of the smaller names, uh, you know, the drillers are having some problems because there's a lot of oil. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. look, the higher the yield is, you got to understand there's more risk, Chris. Okay, so you got to, you, gotta, you oh. got, you know, but it's probably a, you know, if if it's a dividend you're looking for, it's probably not a bad, you know, uh, idea. Well, I think it's that, and I think that maybe eventually, so, I mean, there's got to come to a point where oil goes back up. I mean. You know, you're talking about Buffett. Buffett's out there buying Occidental Petroleum, which is really yeah. going down. <laughs> I know he's down like twelve bucks a share. You know, so yeah. Uh, you know, by the way, he thinks you know, like he wants to hold the stock forever. He also yeah. bought Teva Pharmaceuticals at twenty one. Uh, he bought forty five million shares, and Teva hit like six. All right, uh, it's now yeah. like eleven or twelve. So, you know, everybody's wrong occasionally, but I think you know. Look, the question is. There's this big discrepancy between growth and value right now. Growth is above where it was in 2000 when it blew up, as far as valuation right. is concerned, and value is below where it was in 2000 when gold went skyrocketing. Now gold's starting to break out, and the miners are in fantastic uh, condition. You know, they've at least that's what our analyst says. You know, he says they've paid down a lot of debt and they look really good on paper anyway. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the, the the question is, will value ever come back? You, uh, you tell yeah. me. I'm not that good. <laughs> uh, sure it will. Yeah, I think it sure will, too. Will. Uh, every, everything comes back. There we go. You know, you, you know, going to gold, let me ask you a question. This thing I never understood. You got this Bitcoin out there that has gone through the roof, then it's come back down, then goes back up again and everything else. And I, and I, I sit there and I go, what's the, what's the difference if you're owning gold or if you're owning Bitcoin? And wouldn't, wouldn't gold follow the same kind of pattern now? Of, of going going up and up. Well, Bitcoin is used by a lot of bad people. Okay, uh, it's kind of the dark web. The only reason. <laughs> well, look, it's apolitical. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Visa is charging four percent for for you to use their card. You know, to the to right. the the the, uh, the person you're right. buying from. Okay. So they right. don't do that at Bitcoin. So I mean, you know, if you use a Bitcoin card, they don't have that. Okay. So you know, there's a lot of reasons that Bitcoin came came about. 
I mean, it went crazy on the upside, and uh, I actually had the ETF for a couple people for a while, and then I just I got too nervous because it went parabolic. Yeah, but I, I, you know, there's a lot of advantages to it because nobody can track you. Okay, right. so for the bad guys, it's great, and you know, look, it's yeah. a lot of good guys are speculating. There's a lot of smart people that think that Bitcoin's going to be the way of the world. Yeah. Now, let me let me ask you another question that I'm, I've been toying with here is. Uh, you know, with these interest rates going way down, um, there's going to be a massive refinancing boom coming. And, and who's that going to benefit more? Is that going to benefit, uh, you know, banks? Uh, the consumer. Or regional region, regional banks? Well, well the, the banks probably yeah, won't. They're not going to make any spread, Chris. So They're not? No, there's no spread. So it doesn't doesn't help them? No, it doesn't really help them. No, no. They'll, they'll well, do I it decided. to stay in business, but uh, it doesn't help them that much. Well, I thought they'd make money on on, on the churn. <laughs> no, no, probably not. I'm getting one. Really? Yeah. Okay. All righty. Have a great day. Bye. All right. See you. Anyway, uh, look. Here's a couple things I see from last week. Uh, by the way, it's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. If you want to call in, the five key keys I saw from last week was uh, that gaps uh, were the king. Okay, everything gapped down, so there'll be a lot of gaps to fill on the upside eventually. And uh, I don't know if Powell, I mean, some people, uh, you know, said it was wrong for him to, to cut rates really quickly. So some people say he's no longer Wall Street's Powell, uh, Powell and I don't think he ever was. Uh, but gross, gross stocks led value stocks again. And I saw software break out to a new relative highs, which I thought was interesting. And biotechs have avoided uh, a you know, closing breakdown below their January lows, and they actually broke out on uh, Friday. So uh, those were the things I saw. And, you know, the one thing I didn't like was I saw, um, well, first of all, in ETFs, uh, you know, Boeing's getting killed, okay? But there's there was like 2 million of the defense-related ETFs sold last week, and it hit Raytheon, Lockheed, UTX, all of them, all right? Uh, I see a rotation to the defensive sectors too. So that, there we go. So the, the question I have is, uh, you know, look, we, we, we retested, uh, we've held support, uh, so far. <laughs> All right. And we have extreme oversold ratings. Uh, you know, market leaders, uh, correct in long-term uptrends usually, by the way, but, you know, like bonds, currencies and commodities. Uh, currencies and commodities are, you know, the dollar's getting beat up. The commodities are hitting a new low. And I'm talking about a 15-year new low. I'm talking, you know, we're, we haven't seen commodity prices like this since 1973. That's a long time. And bonds have never seen prices like this. And bond yields have never seen. I mean, we hit 0.66 last, last week. Uh, you know, so, uh, look, the S&P 500 weekly, the momentum continues to, to decline after it got really pretty overbought. And I think the other thing is, you know, the uh, some of the, well, you know, bonds are all-time new high. But like I said, the relative strength readings have made a lower high. And the same thing with the yield. The yield has hit new lows, but the monthly relative strength has bounced up and made a higher low. I don't, I don't know how that works, but uh, the dollar, in the meantime, fell off. You know, it looks like they're trying to bring the dollar down, I guess. Uh, and gold continues to be a good place to be. Now, copper... Broke below $3 last week. I haven't seen that before. And I looked at all the sectors, and I didn't see anything improving, but I didn't see anything weakening either. 
Okay, so it's just a, it was a sell off on the mat on the market. All right, so uh, there we go. Uh, and uh, uh, there we go. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, we're going to take a break. <laughs> he was waving at me to take a break. We'll be right back with the bullish percent. Stay tuned. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. And it looks like we uh, have a caller, Randy. Randy, how are yeah. you? Hey, how are we doing? Uh, no complaints. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a stock called uh, Cedar Fair. Fun. And it's gotten beaten down pretty good with this coronavirus scare. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I guess, uh, Six Flags offered 70 bucks a share for the stock, and Cedar Fair rejected it. And now, you know, the stock is down there trading around, uh, gosh, closed at 37 and change on Friday. What do you think? Well, I mean, look, uh, first of all, uh, Six Flags sold off the day before, and then uh, and Cedar Fair held up, and then the next day it got killed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the question is, and this is the hard thing to answer, Randy, is the coronavirus uh, going to be a huge problem? Or is it going to be like uh, the SARS or H1N1, okay, which were a pain, but they, you know, we we got through them pretty quickly, and so it's like Disney, you know, Disney is the same way, uh, you know, and and Delta Airlines and all the rest, you know, are we going to solve the problem quickly, and is it going to go away, or is nobody going to go to to Cedar Point this this summer? Now, I I. You know, I checked with some people because, uh, you know, I, I was interested myself. And they've got a lot of people who've signed up for the year already. I mean, a, a huge amount. So that's the good news. The good, news, the bad news is, will they show up? Okay, so they they do have a revenue stream, uh, and it's a it's a lot bigger revenue stream than it was last year. But mm-hmm. you know, they make a lot of their money for the you know the people selling food, et cetera, et cetera. So the question is, anybody going to show up? You know, right. yeah, they they did. Uh, there's all sorts of names. Live Nation, the guys sell tickets. You know, they were 74 one day. They're 53 today. So, uh, you know, it, yeah. that's a tough. It, it, the question is, do you want to take the the, the uh, gamble? It's a nice dividend. Right. Uh, you know, maybe it's your Vegas money. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really tempted. I mean, because I got to believe that uh, that bid is probably going to come back at some point, maybe even a little higher. Never know. So you know, okay. I don't, I don't. That's speculation. I don't speculate. But you know, the the real question is: is the is the virus for? Is it a black swan event, or is it going to be over in two months? You know, that type of thing. I don't know the answer. Yep, time will tell. Yep. All, right. All right, thanks very much. Have a great day. All right, now we talk about the bullish percent. Once again, it's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Look, uh, I looked at the S and P five hundred. Wow, what a chart, man. Whew. But we did finish up for the week, but we fell from uh, 39.80 down to 28.60. Then we rallied back up to 31.40. Then we came all the way back down to 30.20. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, one of my clients called in and said, hey, uh, are you selling neck braces? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was kind of like, it was that kind of week, a uh, couple weeks anyway. Um, but look, uh, for the week, you know, I go from Thursday to Thursday because that's what Dorsey Wright does. But they provide us with, the Dorsey Wright's our friends out of Virginia. They provide us, well, it's actually now uh, the NASDAQ exchange. Uh, they provide us with the bullish percent. And the bullish percent is was designed to be bullish when you're negative, And when everybody else is positive, you're going to be negative. Okay? So it's 0 to 100. Uh, column of O's is a distribution, which we're in right now. Column of X's, we have the offensive team on the field. Above 70 is when everybody's talking about their portfolio and, and I get invited to parties and everybody slap me on the back, that type of thing. When we get below 30, like right now, uh, you know, m- my brothers don't know me. <laughs> they don't call. They don't, you know, they don't invite me uh, anywhere. So, uh, right, you know, we were down 19% last week. So we were at 2580 uh, on Thursday. On Friday, I think we got down to 20.8. Uh, the the uh, over-the-counter index got was down 13%. It's actually held up better. It's at 30%. And the world index was down 11.7% at 24.4. So all the bullish percent indicators that we follow are in a column of O's. Okay. Now, remember what we said earlier. We have domestic equities are still the number one asset class, believe it or not. I, hey, I have my largest position was up all week all, for the whole two weeks. It's up 14%. And I had another little biotech company that was up 10 bucks the other day. Now that was for just my really aggressive stop, uh, traders, but. Um, stocks are up. My gold stocks are all up. Okay. So domestic equities, there's still some things out there that are working. Okay. The fixed income became number two. International equities came in number three, but they didn't really get as beat up as I thought they were going to. They held up better than the U S markets. That's kind of an interesting thought there because look, we've had a lot of 10% corrections in, in our period of time. And you know, this is a 14 one, but look in, in the thirties, we had 33 10% corrections in 10 years. Whew. Man, talk about needing a neck brace. And, you know, we had nine back in the 40s. And, and in the 2000s, we had 11. So 2010s, and you know, we had six. And, and I guess 2020, we start off with one now. So there, in the 70s, we had 10. Okay, so 10, 10% corrections or more come fairly regularly. So, uh, you know, get, get used to it. I mean, it's, it's not fun. But it's an opportunity. Look, for three weeks, four weeks before this, we were talking to you, be careful, okay? And uh, I don't know if anybody listened, but, you know, we can't help that. <laughs> the point is, is that uh, you never have enough cash, okay? So now what you got to say is, is there something in my portfolio that I don't, you know, I'm not thrilled with? And is there something out there I really want to buy? Okay? You know, there's a lot of really good names that are down, you know, and Wall Street's the only place I know is when you have a sale, nobody shows up. Okay, so look, most of the averages uh, are still good; they look great long term. Okay, however, we've had negative momentum for you know uh, the the spews the the, the, the SPYs, which is the uh, Standard Poor's 500, the XLGs and the QQQs have the least amount of negative. They've only been negative for three weeks. Because remember, we hit a high on February 19th. Apple hit a high four days before the 
the market sold off a thousand points. All right, so that, it, it's a tough scenario. So I, I looked at the oversold scenario, and it's just amazing. We're 200, 300% oversold. Um, the small caps went right down to their uptrend line and held, which I think is really good. Um, you know, we only have five favored sectors now, and one of them is electric utilities, and even they got beat up a little bit here. They're at, they're at 58. Remember, what we're looking for is to have everything under 40, and that's basically what we have now, okay? So this is a stock picker's dream time right now. So the, the stocks that are still favored are electrical products, computers, healthcare, and biotech. They're all at 30. But all, everything is 40 or under except for electric utilities, and that's the other favored sector. So, look, there's a lot of names out there that, I mean, transportation is in bear market territory now. Okay, so there, there's a lot to be done, and and I think, you know, look, we had uh, to go completely unfavored with food and banking, you know, banking because the, the the lower interest rates kill the spread, as I said to uh, the caller earlier, Chris, and um, you know, retail, leisure, internet, insurance, Wall Street, medical, protection services. And, and precious metals are still, you know, mostly unfavored. Things moving back to average were soft drinks, uh, or software, drugs, financials, business, gaming. Uh, actually, telecom moved up and, and, and uh, real estate. And then in the favored sector, we moved to biotech, com- computers, healthcare, and electric utilities, which were most favored, have moved just to favored status. So there's still, there's still some things to do. And I think, uh, Look, if you look at, you know, uh, some of the international ones, I mean, we had uh, fixed income overtaking them on a number of votes, which is interesting. But Brazil gave three consecutive sell signals. Uh, so th- that that's a that's a tough one. Uh, but China. You know, China and you know, Latin America kind of moved over, you know, if we're comparing it to like Africa, moved over Africa. But look, uh, China. I looked at three or four different ETFs in China, and they broke out. What's that all about? If China's in such bad shape, what's that all about? Fixed income, I just it's just amazing. 180, 200% overbought, 135, 150, uh, 207 overbought, 219% overbought, 231% overbought. I mean, it's just nuts, you know? So uh, it's, it's something that... Uh, um, Um, now the other thing, the high yield spread just went crazy. I mean, remember it had gotten down to just, um, three dollars, uh, 3.55%, but, uh, you know, it rallied up to almost 500 basis points or 5%. So high yields, probably a better place to be, you know, uh, if you're looking at bonds than regular bonds, cause it's, they're oversold, but commodities got beat up again. I mean, oil has been negative for eight weeks. Uh, gold been been negative for a while. Um, you know, the point is, is that we've had a lot of negative stuff go on. And, uh, I mean, the commodity funds broke to a new low all time, going back 20 years. So it, it's, I looked at all the, the distribution and it's, it's amazing. But anyway, relative strength buy signals, AMN Healthcare, AVX Corporation, Citronetics, Aircastle, Gain Capital, Lakeland Industries, they make Hispanic suits, by the way. 
Leg Mason got taken over. Uh, Scott Company, Nano Sting Technologies, Macrogenetics, The Habit Restaurants, Clearway Energy, and Sailpoint Technologies. We got a great report on that, by the way. And Zoom Media, Zoom Video, uh, another great one. Cells, we had a few, but not many. Uh, actually, we had three pages. Don't have time for them. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. Little Frankie uh, for this afternoon. And we're talking about insiders, but we've had Carl waiting patiently on the other end. Uh, Carl, what's up? Hey, you should go live every week. I love these shows. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's great. Oh, anyway, uh, interest rates. Um, I had a uh, treasury note come and do in a couple of weeks, and I was excited about it because I figured my interest rate was going to go up. And now this is, I'm thinking this two weeks ago. Well, obviously, it's crashed since then. And uh, we all know they cut, Federal Reserve cuts quickly, but they don't raise quickly. So how do you see this thing, uh, interest rates coming back for just uh, fixed income people? I think interest rates are going lower. Uh, you do? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 what's going to push them up? I mean, I look, this virus is uh, a pain in the rear end, and I think it's, uh, um, you know, it's something we got to live with. This, it's, not the, it's not the plague, okay? It's, it's, the, it's a flu. And a lot of people are recovering, but some people are dying. So it's going to be, it's going to hold back economic activity. So I don't see any reason for yields to go back up anytime soon, Carl. You know, but look, so, interest yeah. rates are, you know, I don't have anything to do with interest rates. That's the Federal Reserve. So if they yeah. want to, if they change your mind, interest rates will go up. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying it took years to go back up after the Great Recession, you know. Uh, they go down fast, but it takes years to come back up. So I'm just wondering if you think it'll be years. Yeah, I, 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 there's a great chart, uh, by the way, that that shows that you know in the 20s interest rates stayed low for 25 years, and then they went to a lower low uh, back in the in the 50s and 60s, and uh, they stayed down for 20 years. And I bet you they're down for 20 years. Remember uh-huh. the a- average rate on the. The ten-year Treasury is like two point four percent over the history. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh, right. But point point seven five, where it closed Friday, is tough to take if you're an invest a saver, I should say. You know? Correct. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Uh, once again, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. So uh, last week, the insiders went crazy again. Okay. So if things are so bad, why are these people buying? And I don't get this. But anyway. NGM Biopharmaceuticals. There was 10 insiders buy. A director bought 697, uh, two directors bought 697,000. Then two other directors bought 678,000. Uh, then uh, the CFO and the C, uh, chief medical officer each bought 607,000. Then two people bought 252,000. Then two more people bought 179,000. Palo Alto Networks, which just got clobbered. It was 250. It's now 185. Uh, a, a director, uh, actually, I think John Donovan is now the CEO, but, uh, he bought 1.5 million twice. Uh, Trinity Reese Industries, which is the, makes the rail cars to ship oil. Uh, uh Brandon Bose again bought another 5 million, 5 million, then another 3 million. He's, he's been buying for some time now. Assured guarantee. 
Uh, the CFO bought 990000 and uh, a director bought 468000 uh, They're, you know, title and co- company. They're out of Bermuda, by the way. American Homes for Rent. Man, we had some people go crazy here. Five directors. One director bought, uh, two directors bought 13657000 Two directors bought $9 million 60, and one director bought $7.8 million. Phew, that's a lot. And then Planet Fitness, which just got clobbered from 90 down to 62. This is kind of like your, your Cedar Point thing here. Uh, fun. Uh, the C- CEO steps up to the plate and buys $1.89 million. That was a hot new issue, by the way. Newell, which keeps hitting new lows. You know, they're in the Consumer Goods, Housewares, and Associates. Brent Icon, which I believe is Carl Icon's son, but 1.5 million and then another 3.2 million. And I believe they already have a pretty big position in it. So AT&T, I talked to a gentleman this week who works there and, uh, I noticed that Randall Stevenson, the CEO bought 1.7, uh, no, 170,000 worth. And five others bought about, uh, five or six, uh, let's see, it'd be 100, 115 each. So, uh, you know, six insiders buy. That's kind of interesting. Here's for all you guys that like to speculate, guys and gals, I'm sorry, because there's, there's a lady that calls in regularly who likes to speculate. Um, Semi-LEDs Corp. Uh, director bought $1.5 million. It was a $3 stock a month ago. It's a $2.11 stock now. And Aderm Tech, which is in the healthcare medical appliances equipment, um, RTW International, it's a 10% owner, bought $1.6 million and then bought another $192,000. And Richard Kinder, Kinder Morgan, continues to buy. Man, this guy has been buying for months. By the way, the predominant theme for those, uh, I can't remember which one of you guys uh, called in for the XLE, but was oil. Okay. Richard Kinder bought, uh, you know, and, and Duncan from Energy Products. These guys have been buying like crazy. Richard Kinder bought another 5.6 million, then two days later bought another 6.215 million. Uh, Kinder Morgan was 22, it's now 19. Uh, Six Flags. So here's another answer for you. Um, a certain director uh, who's got a lot of money uh, from another country bought $6.7 million and then came back two days later and bought $7.8 million. Verizon, uh, the CIO, bought a $1 million. Uh, they backed off quite a bit. And Colbert Kravis, a director, bought one point three, and he's a very important director. <clears throat> Nielsen Holdings, the, the Information Technology Group, uh, they were 20. They're now 18. And a director bought a million dollars worth. Uh, so big, big, big move. So look, uh, <clears throat> it's a lot of stock. Uh, these last two weeks have, I've seen more insiders buy than any time. And, you know, I, I said this summer we had a lot of insiders buy. So something is wrong here. The public is selling. The, actually, I should say the machines are selling. <laughs> uh, some of the public is selling, too. Yet the insiders are buying. Hmm, I wonder who's right. Anyway, the volatility in the stock market remains high. And look, uh, we're having some thousand points days. <laughs> and they're becoming the norm for the Dow for, for the, over the last two weeks. Okay. So they're big moves in both directions. I mean, you know, look, like I said in the beginning of the show, we finished up for the week. As bearish as everybody was, we finished up for the week. Who, who would have thought that? 
I mean, if you listen to the commentators on CNBC, or you listen, boy, I, 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 the lady that's on uh, on uh, Fox in the afternoon is—I can't remember her name—but she is so bearish. She's, I mean, she scares me. She's so bearish. But anyway, look, we had a correction and a fast one. It's, it's, I've never seen us go from a new high on the Dow straight down like that. Uh, it's been a long, you know, not my career, and I'm—I'm I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Okay. Um, but we're trying to put in a low and, and that's the key, I guess. Uh, you know, we had last Friday what I call a rat's tail. Okay. And that's what we, we gapped down on from Thursday to Friday, about 400 bucks. And then we went down a thousand and then we closed up within 3% of the high. And we did it on the highest volume we've seen since the financial crisis. And we held that bottom this week. That rat's tail is usually a pretty good sign of a bottom, uh, in my humble opinion. Now, I'm not always right, but uh, I've been pretty, you know, I've been steering you pretty well. I mean, I, I thought there'd be a seven, eight percent correction. I'm wrong on that. It was twice that. Okay, my apologies, but uh, if you would have been listening to me, you would have had some cash, right? Uh, now, look, uh, the healthcare stocks versus the broader stocks in election years. Let's talk about that a little bit. You know. Healthcare and MCO stocks have generally outperformed the market in the year ahead of a presidential election, and usually they underperform afterwards. Okay, now one of the things that you got to understand is that healthcare right now is at a five percent discount to the market, and they usually trade at a twenty percent premium. And something tells me that this coronavirus is going to make a lot of healthcare stocks trade at a bigger premium now because they know how important it is. You know, I talked to a friend of mine who's who's an analyst at another company, and uh, we used to play golf together a lot. And he told me this summer that there were 400 biotech stocks below $2 that he thought had life-saving technology. This guy's been around the block for, I mean, he's one of the oldest biotech analysts ever, okay? He's been around for a long, long time. He was the first guy to recommend Amgen. And I thought that was interesting. And you know what? I looked at most of those stocks, 290 of them have doubled or tripled. So I think what we did was we had a bear market in biotech and healthcare, and we're coming out of it. Uh, because Joe Biden doesn't, I don't even think he liked Obamacare that much. Okay. He didn't want that. He wanted a, a free, you know, he, he's been talking about it. A lot of things like United Health and those names rally big time when Biden won. They were the main thing in the, in the, in the market move. So we'll see what happens. But look, we still have the defensive, uh, team on the field. Okay. Until we turn into a column of X's. I don't know if that's going to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It, it takes a while. When the economy, which is like a gr- great big aircraft carrier and it turns and it's turned south now. Okay. That's what the market's telling you. Okay. The market's, six months ahead of the economy. And they're saying, hey, things are going to get bad. And I think the bond market is telling you, hey, things are going to get a little tough. So I think you want to still be defensive. And I don't think this is over yet. I think we're going to rally up and, you know, relieve the oversold condition. And then we're going to come down and test. And if we hold the test, I think we're in great shape. And I think it all depends on how this coronavirus, you know, comes about. Like I said, We've had 136,000 cases. You know, 47% of them have recovered. 
3% of them, or 2.7% of them, have died. Mostly the elderly, unfortunately. Uh, you know, which is, is something that I'm, I'm not making light of this, okay? I'm just saying this is the, the scoop. It's the other section of people that we don't know about yet. You know, if all those people recover, it's going to be a 2% scenario. Uh, now, the other thing is, we've already passed a bill for $8.3 billion. And if it gets, if things start, you know, you know, Congress always acts by, you know, uh, uh, mayhem, okay? So if mayhem comes, they'll act and they'll be, uh, they'll be on the ball, I think. All right? So in the meantime, dividend growth portfolio, highly recommend it. The prime income list, uh, my biggest position comes from that list. Um, bonds, I don't think, I don't think so. The best ideas, I like. But in the meantime, uh, look, uh, credit, the credit access lines are important. You know, do you, if you needed money right now, you'd have to sell stocks. What if you had a credit access line? Okay. The global best income ideas. There's a lot of them out there. And take a look at what our investment stance for this year. We've been very negative, uh, short term. Okay. And then we have our newsletter. You sign up for it. We don't hassle you nothing. Um, you know, spring cleaning is a better, you know, it's, it's time for spring cleaning for your finances. And for all those business owners, a business owner's guide to transition planning. I highly recommend it. In the meantime, uh, it's supposed to be in the 60s tomorrow. So uh, go out and play some golf. Stay outside for a while. Long winter. <laughs> this is Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Have a great weekend. Remember, buy low, sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.